Welcome to the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois Starnet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high-quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. Starnet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities, professional development to support educators and families, meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about Starnet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Welcome to today's podcast episode. My name is Emily Riley, and I'm the Assistant Project Director with Starnet Regions 1 and 3. And today I have the privilege of chatting with my colleague and friend, Jody Knapp, who happens to be retiring from Starnet um, today and has worked in the early childhood profession for 38 years. Now, if you know Jody, uh, you know she is empathetic, compassionate, uh, so reflective, and just embraces lifelong learning and makes lasting connections with those she meets. Um, so, Jody, thank you so much on your last day of, of work to agree to be a guest on this podcast today. Thank you so much, Emily. It's it's really a privilege to be able to do this and. As I told you at one point, it's it was really sort of a nice culmination to my career and to be able to spend some time with those memories from the early days when I first started teaching many, 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 many years ago, so <laughs> up until now. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, as I was thinking about, oh gosh, you know, you're retiring and just all the, so much that you've brought to the Starnet team and thinking about, you know, your disposition and what you always offer and bring during our, our meetings and um, just admire how, you know, you've been in the field for so long, but you just continue to, you know, grow and seek out information and knowledge. And I think that's just such a um, positive disposition to have, <clears throat> excuse me, in our our field. And so I just thought this was a great opportunity to kind of share some of those things that you've learned along the way. I'm sure um, when you first started 38 years ago, probably the the early childhood landscape looked um, quite a bit different than what it does now. So I'd love to start with that and just kind of hear about, yeah, when you got into the teaching field, what was kind of going on in, in Illinois and what you've, how you've kind of seen things evolve and change. Okay. Sounds great. Well, I had always known that I wanted to be a teacher, you know, um, I just love working with young children and there's just so much that happens in their development and their brain development. And so I knew I always wanted to be a part of that. So in high school, I had participated in the preschool program that we had. And then I went to ISU and I was originally thinking I was going to open up a child care center and I ended up in the early childhood special education program and what a delight that has been. It was a lot different back then though, because we had one section of early childhood. That was it. And now there's so many different sections. And so you followed that same routine with that same group of people for all your classes in your major. Um, and then when we graduated, the position I applied for in central Illinois, there were 24 applicants for that position. 
which these days may or may not be a lot, but back then it was really hard because we didn't have the pre-kindergarten programs yet. Obviously we didn't have preschool for all yet. So Mm -hmm. everybody was trying to get into the different positions. Um, So the landscape was, yes, a lot different back then. Yeah, Yeah, I know directors now and coordinators would be thrilled probably if they had that many qualified applicants with the teacher shortage that we're experiencing now. That's true. I didn't think about it from that aspect. Yes. So I worked in a small district. And so, you know, as everybody does, it's, it's learning as you go to, you know, you don't come in with everything that you need, (laughs) but what you do, what you do and can come in with is your attitude and your love and your commitment to the children and to the families and you know, just bringing all of those things in the times that I wasn't sure what to do, those pieces helped me to know that I was doing what I needed to do. I was meeting those social emotional needs of the children and the families, because oftentimes, you know, families have might not have had the best experience in school themselves. And so you want to give them that good start with their children and the programs and, um, and, and also for the children, because the children come in and they're three, four, and five years old. And after they leave us, they have kindergarten through high school. They have 13 years of school that they're required to go to. So I always ask people to think about how important it is that you realize that those early years, we have a terrific responsibility there. Because if we come in and we have an attitude that makes a child not like school, that's scary because they have a long way to go. But we can bring in our ideas and our strategies and our different methods, and we can instead provide that child with that encouragement and that engagement in learning that we want them to have that feeling of exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you said, because you really highlighted. um, I remember when I was teaching at NIU, there was an article in young children, and it was like 12 effective. um, I think they call it 12 effective characteristics or dispositions. But you know, you kind of spoke to that, that it really is a lot about the attitude in those dispositions. And we're always building our skill set as educators, right? Like right. Uh, that's why organizations like Starnet exist, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we're continuing the professional learning, but yeah, it seems like, um, yeah, the dispositions is really something that can set educators up for success and make a big difference in the lives of children and families. Well, and one of the things, Emily, and I think people have probably picked up, you and I have laughed back and forth a little bit here already. And I believe humor is important because life is going to give all of us knocks and we need to be able to pick ourselves back up and keep on going down the road. So we want to help children develop that same sense of humor so that when something's tough, you know, okay, I can do this. Instead of beating myself up, I can pick myself up and keep on going down the road. You know, I just think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really makes that uh, joyful environment too. Mm -hmm. I've been reading a lot about developmentally appropriate practice since the new book's been published recently. And um, I love actually in the updated definition, like joyful is in that just, you know, that 
We want to have joyful environments for young children and that humor plays a big part of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I love that piece in that new DAP, you know, because we do need to bring joy into it and really we should be having fun. You know, we want the children to be having fun. It's all, you know, it's all a learning experience. You know, we can't compartmentalize anything. It's the Mm -hmm. whole child and the whole family and us. We all get to grow in the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wonder, so thinking about um, Jody as a new teacher (laughs) and, and kind of all this knowledge you have, um, gain and perspective over time. And just, you know, with all the interactions you've had with a variety of people, um, is there something you kind of wish you would have known back then? Or what would you tell yourself, you know, now that you have some of this new, um, or have acquired this knowledge over time, what, what might you say to yourself as a new teacher? Well, I think the first thing I would say to myself is breathe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I just think that we need to remember to breathe because when we take that breath, we can start to let the ideas come forward. You know, Um, the other thing I would say is there are lots and lots of resources available to people, you know, and especially now compared to when I started back then, you know, we've got so many more connections but some of those connections are really going and visiting other programs if you can, because you can learn from others. It's that collaboration and that connection with others. Um, and then the resources such as Starnet. Um, <laughs> and actually, I attended a lot of Starnet trainings and early childhood professional learning, which was called Illinois Resource Center back there, back then. Um, all of that provided so much for me. That provided me some of the true hands-on stuff that I needed, hands-on methods, strategies, ideas to just really um, develop more into a, a, I would say, effective teacher because I might have had theories, but I needed also to make sure I had those methods in there and those strategies. Mm -hmm. And things change and we can either be grumpy about it (laughs) we can we can explore that change and find out how fascinating that can be too so not being afraid to reach out to to find the different resources that are out there um and then the never stop learning and growing I mean that's just critical uh I remember um one time somebody said well why would somebody get a whole bunch of hours and not get their master's degree and I was like well, maybe they just want to get more information in the specific areas, more strategies, more methods. So I didn't think it was a bad thing at all. You know? yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing I would say is to be flexible, be flexible with yourself, be flexible with the children and the families, um, adapt, accommodate, modify, you know, all of those different things to meet the individual needs of the children. And when you had asked me if I would do this, I took a walk and I was thinking about it. And I saw some children playing football outside before school. And one of the little boys had a cast on his arm and started up by his shoulder and went all the way down to his hand. I thought, oh, wow, I can't wait to watch this because he's going to have to make some adaptations, modifications to be able to do this. 
And so when he bent over to pick up the football, he had to be really careful because he would tip over because of the arm in the cast because he was a little guy. Um, so just watching that, I thought, that's how we go about it. You know, and that's how we go about learning, too, is we need to be able to be flexible and adapt just as we want the children and families to do. Yeah. And learn how to figure it out, too. Yes. Right. You know, like sometimes as teachers, we want to we, we want to help so much and we might jump in right away. But it's like your story there, you know, like that little guy just kind of was in a situation, a scenario where he had to kind of figure out, OK, how am I going to make this work? And so I'm like, you know, he was able right. to do that on his own. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I just yeah. It's fascinating to watch little kids. <laughs> it is. And, you know, we give children that space. We need to make sure we give ourselves that same space. And that would be the other thing that I would tell myself is to, to make sure you give yourself space to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes, you know, and to always be open to learning and to change. Yeah. This is, um, I think, going to turn out to be a little like therapeutic um, session for me as well today. Thank you, Jody. You're welcome, <laughs> Emily. To me. I was very hard on myself as, as a, a teacher, you know, when it came, you know, you just want to do so well for children and family. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a, a, a gross area for me, you know, to kind of just not beat myself up. Um, right, right. In right. Situations and learn from it, you know, and just grow <laughs> If you go into it with your whole being, your whole heart, you know, the the children and the families will feel that, you know, mm -hmm. and there will be that connection. Um, I think one of the other thoughts that I had that I wanted to make sure I, I put in is, well, you know, I love books, Emily. I yes. Books. <laughs> and and when when you're reading, that's what I would tell the new teacher, Jody, too, is know that book inside and out before you sit down in front of those children so that you're practically telling the story more. And so you can pull them in with your eye contact and maybe with your emphasis on certain words. So instead of holding the book up and saying, this is what it says, <laughs> you know, just pulling them in. Oh, and then, you know, and just pulling them into the story. And yeah. you see the light bulbs coming on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because story story reading should be yeah, a time of connection, right? And real, right. yeah, yeah. That's very helpful. Very practical um, tip there. I appreciate that. Um, well, you mentioned resources when you're talking about um, you know things that would be helpful to know as a new teacher and for yourself. Um, so I'm wondering. Like if you have a favorite resource that's really stood the test of time, you know, sometimes there's just a, just a book that like really resonates with you and maybe, you know, again, stands the test of time. Like it could be 30 years ago and it's like, all right, this is still relevant. <laughs> I mean, you want to stay current, don't get me wrong, but sometimes there's just some of those um, resources out there that really are just, yeah, amazing and still relevant. I think really when it comes to the resources there's just so much that's out there now. And I think the connection, that, that's it. That's a big piece for me, the connection. So going and attending professional training when possible. And I realize right now it's a little bit more difficult since the pandemic and all, 
But when we can get those times where we can be around other educators as we're learning about new resources, then we can share ideas and build those relationships and maybe have some new connections with others, especially if you're an early childhood teacher that is in a building by yourself, you know, to be able to go to a training and meet some other people that are working with young children and families is a very powerful thing. So I think that's probably where I lean the strongest. So as I said earlier, the early childhood professional learning, StarNet, Early Choices, the inclusion initiative of the State Board of Education, they have amazing resources for working with young children with disabilities. Um, The Illinois Early Learning Project. I did not know about this (laughs) until I came to StarNet 19 years ago. (laughs) And I was like, wait, how come I did not know about this? Was it here already? It Uh, is such a great resource for for all of us. So, um, And then the other thing that I had just thought about was the project approach. And the Illinois Early Learning Project has information on the project approach. But then there's Dr. Judy Harris-Helm and Pam Scranton and Dr. Sally Benneke and Dr. Sylvia Tard and, and all of these people. And just, you know, really learning in depth about a topic through that project work is uh, just an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that inquiry-based learning, I think, yeah, yeah, it's just so important in early childhood. So people, people are really the the biggest resource, is what I hear yes. you say, to kind yes, of ask absolutely. that, right? Connecting with one another and continuing to learn together. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. As much as I like other kinds of resources to be able to refer to as well, it's really the people, that connection, I think, makes mm-hmm. such a difference. Yeah. Um, well, you did mention you love um, books. And yes, I know you love children's literature. And over the years, yeah, you've brought in some really beautiful, you know, stories that, you know, we can kind of take some application even for ourselves um, as adults, you know, and, and make some meaning out of it. But so I'm wondering what's your like currently, what's your favorite children's book in life? Okay. Well, I have to be honest with you, Emily. I can't give you one. <laughs> Me too. I love books. I love children's literature. My favorite thing is to go to the children's part of the library and just look through the books. You know, I love to see humor in books. I love to see the serious topics in books. Um, I love teaching children new new, um, ideas through books too. Um, I just believe that children's literature is a wonderful way to support children and families in the growth experience. Um, And so you asked me that and it's really hard. And, you know, if you stepped into my classroom, the children would say, Mrs. Knapp always said, this is one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> so, telling the truth, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, because I, I think they they all, I mean, I remember going to the library one time and there was this beautiful book, Ida Always, and it was two polar bears. And, you know, they were best of friends and they, they got along so well. And then Ida got sick, you know, and it was expressing all of that. It was teaching children about that. And it was just heartwarming, you know? And so that's where you say, we can also take things from children's literature 
and it helps us in the process as well. I think sometimes it really helps us talk with children and it makes things not so abstract for children. You know, there's some visual pictures there that go along with it. So some of those tough topics, that literature really helps them to be able to internalize more of what's happening in a particular situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I remember when you shared Ida always um, with our team, I think actually was, yeah, with a focus group, maybe. maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was a really heartwarming story for sure. So, all right. Well, um, so I think as we're getting ready to wrap up, I want to just give you an opportunity to yeah, share any kind of final thoughts. Was there something that you were wanting to share that you didn't quite get to um, with our listeners today? Yeah, can you hear my phone ringing in the background? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I can't hear it. We'll just keep okay. on going. <laughs> okay, that's one of those flexible that's things. I was going to say, yeah, we'll adapt. We're flexible. <laughs> okay, probably, you know, one of my biggest things that I'd like to share is my hope in it and my dream is that we always work in partnership with families um, and that we understand that everybody is doing to the best of their ability. Just like we sometimes feel unsure about ourselves, a family might not be feeling really sure about how to help or support their child in a particular situation. So, you know, surrounding them with those supports. What came to mind is, we're a team and a team can't be just one person, you know? And so we need the family and we need some of those support staff that are helping us. Maybe there's a speech and language pathologist or a physical therapist, you know, building all of that again, comes back to relationships Mm -hmm. and connections with each other. And that just feels like such an important piece to me that I, I want I want early educators to always remember that because if a child's three, four, or five, we need to be on a team with their family. Their family knows that child better than we know that child. They know what is going on at home. We don't have any idea. We have what we see in front of us unless we build that relationship with that family and we work together as a team. Um, And then the other thing I think that I would add is remember to have fun. You know, I just think that's important to sing, to dance, to play, to paint, um, all of those different pieces. And I know sometimes we get caught and we say, I can't sing in front of anybody because I'm a horrible singer. And what I like to tell people is, you know, first, you know, we sing in front of the children. Okay, that's okay. And then, you know, I had my paraeducator and then I had the families and then our program was moved over by the high school and I had high school students coming in to assist. And now that's hard for <laughs> <laughs> high school students. <laughs> so that's where I would say, just have fun and let go of that stuff. And when okay. you start playing with music, the children will start playing with music. And we all know that music has a definite connection for children and learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, well, that really brings it kind of full circle back to that joyful, yes. joyful environment. Yeah. So mm-hmm. gosh, Jody, thank you so much for spending your um, last day 
having this conversation with me. I, I know listeners are, are really going to appreciate hearing, you know, your thoughts and reflections on your, on your time and career, um, and early childhood. Um, yeah. What do you got? You got like what an hour left? Are you counting down <laughs> yeah. here? We're at, it's 10 o'clock. I think you said you're finishing at 1130 today. Well, <laughs> what do you do with the last hour and a half of your time on your last day? That's like, so It's, it's really odd. And I (laughs) say that it is fun to look back over the years. And when I've come to these last few months, just more and more things are popping up. And it Mm -hmm. just is such a delight. Um, And, and I will say that we asked Heather to give us some ideas on the title for this. And she came up with, uh, I think it's, it's nap time Uh on a career in early childhood. And it brought such a beautiful memory because the children called me Mrs. Sleep a lot because they would intersperse the nap and the sleep. And so, you know, I just, the first time I heard it, I was like, where did that come from? And then I caught on to it. Oh, I just loved that. Yeah. You were definitely supporting humor in your classroom, right? Oh, like yes. You're picking up real quick that you were, you were fun and <laughs> they could use their own humor. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to share memories and just to share the the true passion of teaching. No, absolutely. Well, thank you, Jody. Um, yeah, I, I know this is, um, yeah, I feel like it's hard for me to say goodbye, but I know I'm going to see you. So thank you for sharing all this knowledge. It really has been just a, a pleasure and honor to be your colleague. So thank you so much, Emily. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners. Um, As always, feel free to reach out to Starnet if you have questions or are looking for some support. And I know Jody mentioned a few um, wonderful resources that we have available for educators and professionals in Illinois. So I will link those to the um, episode notes so you can um, reference those easily. So thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.